0: Bitcoin, Urbit, they literally come from the outside to dissolve those, those binds of, of the human security system.
1: Now you speak my language. This is good. All right, everybody, what's going on? This is the Other Life Podcast. I am Justin Murphy. This episode is one in a whole series all about Erbit. Erbit is a whole new computing and networking paradigm that many of you know, I've become very interested in in recent months, really recent years, the past couple of years or so. I think Erbit is just way crazier and way cooler than most people realize. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Erbit and just don't really know about what's going on with it, what it is, and all the cool, badass people building Erbit, building things on Erbit, creating on Erbit. And so now the development of the technology is really picking up and moving faster. I decided that when the Urbit annual conference came to town in Austin this past October, that I would sit down with 10 different people all across the network, people who are building the technology, people who are creating on the network, and people just in this culture that still, I think a lot of people don't know much about. So I can honestly say this was one of the most interesting experiences I ever had at any kind of conference to be perfectly honest. I spoke with CEOs, I spoke with engineers, I spoke with e-girls from weird theory Twitter. Like I'm not talking about Instagram chicks, I'm talking about like weird theory girls in, you know, the other life neck of the woods of of the the Twitterverse and the blogosphere. I talked with skitzed out writers and post everything podcasters and very possibly I spoke even with an alien. Uh, I'm only half kidding. It was just wild, man. It was really, really wild, a uh, really, really interesting set of characters you're about to meet over the next 10 episodes. And I'm just super pumped to bring this series out into the world. So real quick, before I forget, I do want to let you know, if you're interested in Urbit, it's now easier than ever to get onto the network. So I actually have a bunch of Urbit planets, AKA Urbit ships, pretty much, uh, computers in the cloud an individual computer in the cloud that can be yours it's also functions as your identity and it's what you use to log onto the network and to use urbit so if you want to i'll give you one Uh, i have a bunch and any listener of the show i want to get you on urbit so um, you can just go to imperceptible.computer i made a whole site just for this purpose and yeah, drop your email and uh, I will get you a planet, AKA an orbit ship. All right. Um, depending on whether you're listening to this now or two years from now, uh, there may or may not be some kind of uh, modest fee associated with it. Uh, right now I'm just giving them out for free. You don't need to have any coding or programming skills or experience whatsoever. It's very straightforward. I will give you your own planet and you'll be on the network playing around talking to people in five minutes, probably. Okay. That's imperceptible.computer. I will put a link in the show notes. And the final, final thing, real quick, and then we'll get on to the show. This whole series was a labor of love. It was my idea. No one paid me to do it. I did, however, find eventually sponsors uh, so that it wasn't at all done at a loss. And uh, I'm very grateful to those sponsors. So, this episode in particular is sponsored by the Dalton Collective. Dalton is the name of the first collectively owned and managed Urbit Star. It's a membership organization run on Urbit, of course, that's focused on fellowship, sustainability, and sovereignty. Dalton, it's a small group. It's a private group. They're not advertising because they want to build their membership massively or anything like that. Uh, it's a small private group, but they do have a public channel. So uh, listeners of the podcast might want to go check out what they're up to, say hi to them. And you know, if you're interested in those values, as am I, then you might find the Dalton Collective interesting. And they're one of the earliest groups really kind of building community on Urbit. So shout out to them. Big thanks to the Dalton Collective for sponsoring this episode. And I will put a link in the show notes to the Dalton Collective. All right, that's all from me. Let me get out of the way and on to the show. All right, so thanks for coming out today, guys. You're welcome, man. We're happy to be here. I'm here with Logan and Christian from the Terrell Corporation. Is that what you call it? Yeah, Terrell Corporation. More Urbit than Urbit is our motto. (laughs) More Urbit than Urbit. More Urbit than Urbit. All right, we're going to try to find out what that means. So for people listening and watching, you guys are basically the first serious startup on Urbit. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, I would say you can't really call Talana a startup. I mean, it was venture funded, but it was really founded as a research company. And they're trying to transition into being a product company. And I think that they're going pretty well with that so far, but you can't really call them a startup. But we're actually starting what is essentially a, you know, risk oriented venture around taking products to market on a new burgeoning technology. And right. that's definitely a startup.
1: So one simple way to put it is that you're building payment rails for Urbit, but unpack what that means in more detail. Like what was the pitch to investors? What's the larger vision here? Just give us, give us the elevator pitch version.
2: Sure. So we really have three arms and I'm not gonna give you the whole spiel on each of them, but the gist is, is we have our short-term plays, our medium-term plays and our long-term plays. And those look different because of the opportunities that are present within the urban space. So short-term, we're making markets. Medium-term, we're more or less connecting merchants to people who wanna do payments on US dollars. And then long-term, we're doing, we're looking into and doing all kinds of various crypto and money-related ventures.
1: Okay, Urbit R&D, if you will. Yeah. Urbit R and D. Okay, so a few different possibilities. What what is most interesting, most immediately, on the payments front when it comes to Urbit? Like, what what are payments going to look like in the short term on Urbit?
0: Sure. So I think our our MVP is something akin to an Urbit Substack, which will let ordinary content creators using the affordances that exist on Urbit today publish content to Urbit. Uh, but then beyond that, publish content to the external web through websites and mailing lists, and then obviously get paid for it in a subscription format.
1: All right. Badass. And now, Christian, why are boomers the worst with smartphones?
0: <laughs> well, I, I guess they didn't grow up with them. So, yeah, as I was saying, at classical music uh, concerts, I've, I can't tell you how many have been completely destroyed. By, by boomers letting their Nokia ringtone go off or something like
1: Do you that? think it's because they don't know how to work the phones or they forgot that it, they have bad memory yeah, or yeah, what, they, or maybe they, they just they, have no respect for they, public space? What's the, the, no, what's the theory? theory? It, it's
0: ironic because they usually have more respect for, I, I guess you, you could say they have more respect for that art form than Zoomers, but they don't have the muscle memory of silencing their phone or they haven't adapted to just keeping it off. 100% of the Good
1: difference. theories. I don't know if you have any observations on boomers.
0: I
2: just feel like generally people in the boomer generation and the Gen X always have a notion that a phone call is going to be somewhat important and something that they should look at. Mm-hmm. And so they're more prone to actually putting it off of silent in the first place because they they're coming from an era where they had fewer ways to communicate instantly. And so if they're receiving a phone call, they're like, oh, maybe someone needs to get in touch with me right now. Whereas I always keep my phone on silent, and most people I know do that because if you actually want to get in touch with me quickly, you're probably going to text me.
1: Right. Alternative hypothesis is just that people younger than boomers don't use the phone calls as much. They text.
2: Or at least they don't place importance upon it.
1: Right. Okay, so... Like,
2: I always schedule phone calls as opposed to...
1: This reminds me of something i was just talking about a couple hours ago with ed who was on the podcast a couple hours ago we were talking about the future of urbit on on machines and hardware and is this something you guys are interested in do you see a future where i'm going to be able to order online like a 500 laptop that's just going to have urbit on it and it only urbit and all my computers my entire computer is just urbit. is that what what do you have that do you guys have takes on like the urbit hardware nexus
2: oh man you really are fishing for controversy okay so so uh unlike ed i don't think we're anywhere close to urbit hardware i think urbit hardware is it, it actually requires an entirely new operating system to be written to do a fundamental portion oh, of urbit hardware which All is, my excitement
1: from ed is now which deflated. which is which
2: is graphics okay arvo Okay, so so there's nothing wrong with NOC, a NOC-based computer system doing running on hardware. And in fact, it's actually fairly easy to get a unikernel, so a, a uh, hardware kernel that is only specialized to run a VAR, a an URBIT interpreter. That's actually fairly easy. I expect we'll get that in 2022 at some point. Um, but to actually have a computer that you, or a phone say, that you boot into a graphical interface that you can do stuff in mm-hmm. that does graphical compositing. So it actually like renders images and, and things on the page, and it's all happening in a knock-based computer. That's extremely far down the line because of the actual architecture of Arvo, the current, the only current knock-based operating system, which is colloquially referred to as Obert OS. But Essentially, Arvo is an excellent system for doing REST APIs. It's, it's a really good system for doing personal server-like activities where you want to have a database, you want it to have an API, you want that API to either be a peer-to-peer protocol or you want it to expose itself to the traditional web and maybe you want it to serve some web pages.
1: Okay, interesting. So maybe maybe not Urban Hardware. But, interesting debate. But
2: the thing is, is it's single-threaded. It can do one thing at a time. Hmm. And it can't do anything in parallel. And there's some hacks that people have talked about, and I think that they're very credible uh, ways to get parallelism within the system to make it faster. But you're never going to get to a point where you're running GPU-oriented code on something that's meant to be a single-threaded, fully ordered event loop. Okay,
1: interesting. Interesting. And
2: you, and you need a totally different OS model that is gpu oriented and as opposed to cpu oriented because cpus do things sequentially and gpus do everything in parallel
1: okay fascinating and so maybe just tell us a little bit about like well, how has it been building a business on urbit like uh is this was this a hard sell is there like a ton of money is there a ton of capital waiting in the wings to be to be investing on urbit was it a hard sell oh, how did it go there's galaxies of course and i'm proud to say that a majority of our investors are galaxy holders
0: so We can definitively say that Urbit can actually bootstrap its own ecosystem financially, uh, at least for the time being. And with regard to the tech stack that we're starting with, I think it's remarkable how many affordances you get just right out of the box. Mm -hmm. And really it's almost as if we're putting small perfecting touches, uh, and you know, small, small advancements, simply just reconnecting the the building blocks that already exist.
1: Okay. So let's unpack this. Let's go into more detail now. Cause I think a lot of people watching and listening are probably thinking like, wait a minute, people are building a startup on Urbit. I thought you could barely use Urbit. I didn't even think that many people use Urbit. That's what a lot of people are going to be thinking. So, so what does it look like to actually build a company on Urbit? What are these affordances, These affordances you're talking about that actually make it easy? Um, help for the, for the kind of skeptical person who doesn't understand all the activity on Urbit, like Mm -hmm. uh, unpack that and explain that. Sure. So first off,
2: Urbit has an extremely rabid user base. And so really, if you want to build something, you want to distribute it. You need to be building something that's catering to the existing user base. And that's making it possible for them to do more than they already can. And right now that's extremely easy because all they can do is basically, Discord. And so any other product niche on Urbit is totally wide open right now. So unlike in the traditional web, where if, if you want to build a note-taking app, there's thousands. The note-taking
0: and, app wars.
2: Yeah, there's thousands. <laughs> right. and, and there's never a way for you to differentiate yourself whatsoever. You're like, oh, well, I'm going to make money with subscriptions, or I'm going to make money with in-app payments, or whatever. But regardless, your product is just like everything else. It just maybe has a different font in a different color scheme, and it's pretty shitty because you know, you're know you never going to make a way for people to export their data really easily and be able to edit it really easily. And so you have all of these systems that are trying to kind of close people in like Evernote. It's like, oh, well, it syncs from your desktop to your phone, to your web, and all this stuff. But it's there's like a billion other things that do exactly that. And so all of these companies have such a hard time differentiating themselves. But on the urban ecosystem, you essentially have a captive audience because anyone that's committed to using Urbit is wanting Urbit specific products, and so the joy of it is, is like the Urbit standard library, all the stuff you can do with the Urbit operating system is all like extremely mature at this point. Um, and maybe the agent, the application agent model is could could be more mature, but the actual like kernel level, like oh, what can you do with it? Like oh, what type of math? Like what type of XML can you output? How can you do HTTP server normal stuff? Like, I don't know. It took us a week to make a, um, a like full featured, like complete credit card flow. It took us like, I don't know, another week to make a static site publishing tool that takes data from your like landscape app. Like say you have a blog in landscape, you can just publish it direct to web and you can like pick between different templates and be like, I want it to look like Substack.
1: That only took a week.
2: Yeah. It took a week interesting. And, and so like all of these, like we're just gluing together things that already exist. And I mean, I, I have a lot of experience already with, with these tools. And so it's kind of a matter of like, what are we wanting to do? And most of everything that we want doesn't require us to go build any new components from scratch.
1: Okay. I think that'll surprise and excite a lot of people listening to this, maybe engineers or, you know, potential founders, I think maybe don't realize how relatively quick it can be to build these things mm-hmm. thanks to the affordances that are kind of already baked into the urbit network so that's very interesting i mean what do you guys have intuitions about the next businesses that should or will be built on orbit like when you look at the space from especially from a business perspective like what what needs to be built tomorrow what should investors be investing in tomorrow or founders be founding tomorrow well we've been calling
0: it the personal server revolution or the glorious personal server revolution <laughs> And what that is a revolution against, obviously, is incumbent SaaS businesses. So I think it's really up to the entrepreneur to pick a
1: particularly low-hanging SaaS model and build an urban analog. Okay, so let's go to the example you used, which is a note-taking app. Massive, massive, massive market. Hmm? What would it take to build a startup? that's let's say Rome research, but on orbit or notion, but on Urbit. Sure. What would, what would it take to do that? Is it really that simple? It can't be that simple. So, so walk us through like, you know, cause I'm sure there are people watching this or listening to this who would, who would love to think about building on Herbit. Um, how hard is that? Like, what would it look like? What are the trade-offs between doing that on Urbit or off of Urbit? Cause I talked to some founders recently mm-hmm. or just, you know, regularly really who are building badass shit in like web three or whatever. And And it's often people who are philosophically interested in Urbit know about Urbit, like Erbit. And when I kind of pick their brain, you know, the reason people, some people aren't building on Urbit is because their perception that they want to move faster and they want to use more known technologies, basically. So um, what do you say to that kind of engineer or developer or founder? Got it. So yeah, so
2: there's, there's kind of a trade-off here. And the trade-off is, is that the technologies that Urbit is made with are not optimized for ease of learning. Mm. They're optimized for ease of use. And so the problem that all of those people are running up against is they say, oh, I want to make a decentralized Twitter or I want to make X or Y. The fastest way for me to do that is to use what I know. It's to use Python or Node.js or Ethereum plus Python or whatever. And if, if they're literally going from like, "Okay, I want to make my company and do it as soon as possible. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, learning Hoon's going to take them some time and they're not going to be most effective in that if they're trying to start doing something.
1: Right, so that's the bottleneck really is learning Hoon.
2: Yeah, but there's so many people that are already learning Hoon at this stage that all of those people are extremely ripe to go make their own company or make their own little app development DAO or their own little studio or whatever. And so the bottleneck for them, I think, at this stage is that Currently, if they did want to monetize it, they'd have to roll their own way of monetizing. They'd have to find some way in the Stripe terms of service or the Braintree terms of service to kind of finagle a way to sell a product to people within Urbit. And I think that that would actually be fairly difficult to do because of because these terms of services are built for SaaS companies they're not built for server to server peer-to-peer protocols (laughs) they're built for client server oh you control all the data you can do content moderation you can do all these things you can do all these forms of censorship and so this is actually where our company comes in and this is what we're trying to enable right so we're trying to explicitly enable other companies to come and make money literally to to receive payments, to have people buy their app, to have people do subscriptions for their app. Because if they don't have to continue to roll their own uh, payment mechanism, then suddenly you can have, oh, uh, I pay five bucks and now I have collaborative Google Docs, but on Erbit, or collaborative presentation software, but on Erbit. And you actually have a monetization mechanism for that aside from just the Erbit Foundation giving you a one-time grant.
0: Right. right. Yeah, so payments are... When you look at Web3, fiat payments, at least, we will we'll be specific, are the minimum required centralization to any application that you know you expect people to pay for on a regular basis. And so for that specific pain point, we have basically built a, a, a regime of specialty underwriting around Web3 applications. And that's what we are looking to bring to bear to get people who are you know some you know cottage industry urban app developer uh monetized without having to run the gauntlet of some of these larger more adverse payment processors
1: okay and when you when you say these kind of specialty underwriting that you refer to like what what do you what it, do you have it's in mind literally
0: just bringing bringing underwriting up to up to our speed on peer-to-peer technology and then basically giving giving them the new vocabulary of the urbit internet. Give some color on
2: underwriting specifically. Like I don't think a lot of people have yeah, the depth it's not and the depth. sure. Yeah. So
0: so when I when I say underwriting, I mean you know, a person at a at a bank that it the bank processes payments and the to to a, acquire that service, the merchant who is applying needs to pass pass certain risk checks and, you know, have certain a certain risk profile that's tolerable to the bank. And so, you know, there are certain things that are risky that, you know, you might not think are risky, but, you know, it, they're red flags to, to banks. Sure. So for example, like a lifetime subscription is technically a product that could be charged back at any point in its lifetime. So that's a very small example, but there are there are things like that that app developers don't really think of, and for for people that are building vanilla SaaS products, they're usually just consolidated into the Stripe verse. Mm-hmm. And once you stray outside of that, you try to do anything approaching, you know, a peer to peer marketplace or uh, anything distributed, it starts to s- strain those underwriting parameters so interesting so what what we're doing is basically bringing sort of strict legal expertise to the to the matter to to kick these things through i
1: see okay so basically web3 is stretching the definitions of all of these things in the traditional financial system Right, right so you're not only building payment rails but you're basically trying to build out a whole kind of legal and financial Infrastructure that fits more sensibly with the web three patterns. Correct.
0: I mean I mean when you look at what Urbit does, it completely outstrips legacy notions of you know, top-down platonic control over, over data and systems. And so, you know, Logan's a Deleuzian, so we're just trying to make it work <laughs> for uh for people who are trying to overcode the flows, you know.
1: <laughs> nice. Go ahead, no that's, that's good <laughs> yeah, no I, I well I wonder i mean how 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 explicit do you think that that metaphor goes I mean what what is the Deleuzian understanding of uh the financial rails that you're building
2: <laughs> well I mean truly the the current financial system though though it wants to be rhizomatic it 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 does truly desire to be to be a rhizome you can you can tell from the way that capital moves within the system you you know the the way that it that it essentially uh, change it changes phase, uh, as as you might say. It becomes more solid in some places and and sticks. It it uh, mm-hmm. evaporates in others. It it melts in others, and and then flows rapidly downhill to, to some say uh, valley where where it can accumulate and then uh, grow grow in strength and uh, create new life. So. Capital is exit, of course. And so capital is always exiting any, any system that is, that is trying to contain it. And so the current system has, has some really interesting uh, regimes that, that work to suppress capital. Hmm. And, and in some ways, it's, it's not successful, um, certainly. And people, people point out these deficits frequently. But people don't always see the ways, the ways in which the system contains capital. And so, and so, moving moving away from, uh, I, I guess, the psychiatrist's chair uh, and the Oedipal uh, means of uh, containing these flows of capital. You know, you have uh, Big Daddy government and uh, Big Mama Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> and, and I mean, most most corporatists. Then the tension here is, you know, the human tendency to try to encapsulate and define and Heighten certainty around things. So that, Nick, that, what, what, that, hmm. that's why cronies like to, you know, be there when uh, you know regulation is being written because they they actually humans desire a dictatorship which would which would secure secure some sort of monopoly. It's
1: what Nick Land calls the human security system. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so,
0: so you know, Bitcoin, Erbit, they literally come from the outside to dissolve those those binds of of the human security system
1: now you speak my language this is good so it's absolutely fascinating so like what kinds of specific formations do you imagine the financial world of the future kind of embodying or, or giving form to that are currently suppressed by the human security system sure
2: so I, I think the place to start with this is really where christian and i met so uh this this was a few years ago. I was I was already working at Urbit, but uh, I, I actually hadn't met Christian at all at this stage. And we were going on a hike with some friends and uh, Christian got uh, the poor job of uh, picking me up and then uh, bringing me to to uh, Mount Diablo, where we were hiking uh, in, uh, I, I guess,
0: NorCal somewhere. Uh, it's in Walnut Creek, California. It's a good hike. Uh, any, I recommend it to your nice to your Bay Area listeners. Yeah, lo- lovely hike, uh, especially
2: when you don't get lost. So, uh, I you know I I get picked up by Christian and we don't know each other and we start talking about random stuff and we uh, quickly realize that uh, Christian is very interested, very interested in Bitcoin. I I am too, but I don't know to the same degree. Um, and so it ends up that throughout this entire twenty mile, uh, five thousand feet elevation hike. I'm, uh, at least when I can catch my breath, convincing Christian that Erbit is not a shit coin (laughs) (laughs) and that Erbit is in fact not a scam and is a real thing that Bitcoin needs. Okay. And so this is how our uh, friendship began and how I eventually, uh, I guess, uh, roped him into working at Talon somehow.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. So I, as I, I think I mentioned this on my last appearance on the Murphyverse, uh, know yeah, I came to put Bitcoin on Urbit uh mainly due to the congruence of Bitcoin and Urbit's utilization of a personal server as an implement for sovereignty or
1: totally sound money and sound computing.
0: Yeah that that was that was that was the meme. So to to that extent I think that there's a you know a natural affinity here. So now that we've Built the Bitcoin wallet, and it's well on its way to having its next generation of capabilities with Lightning. Uh, it, I think it's time for Urbit to have perhaps a less, you know, radical conception of commerce. Obviously, as a Bitcoin maximalist, I, you know, I'm I'm all in. However, I still make the majority of my daily payments with dollars, so it. To, to see something like an Urbit app store succeed, you really need to inject just typical US dollars in there and then have them exist on as many interior surfaces as possible and exterior surfaces. So really I, what I what I think our vision is, if we could relate it mm-hmm. succinctly, would be that anyone desiring to either make an application on Urbit, or simply provide a good or a service from Urbit as their platform, we would seek to be your, your partner in that.
1: Awesome. Now, you guys mentioned before the these themes of exit. We're already talking about Nick Land and Deleuze and, and uh, many fun don't, ideas. Don't show this to the underwriters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, how do you underwrite the risk of, uh, well, we won't even go there, but
0: Neo China discounted back to the future.
1: (laughs) This is a very relevant question, though, actually, because it's exactly what I was going to ask you about, really, which is what do you see as the main kind of push factors that are going to be bringing people to exit, right? So one one candidate would be, you know, what people call cancel culture, censorship, whatever you want to call it, uh, is is the thesis that basically the current financial rails That are dominated by mommy and daddy and and the human security system people are going to need to exit those because the current financial system is so kind of politically brittle and so basically you're building kind of like the 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 financial rails of exit so when people have to leave the current financial system for political problems or what other push factors do you think it's going to be that are really going to accelerate the use of your payment rails sure i, I
2: think that i would even take a step back from
1: saying oh cancel oh it's like oh you're going to be personally
2: canceled and right. so you're going to have to leave the current financial system right and and i would and i would actually make a much more generic but maybe also more strong claim that what we're actually looking at is heat death of of the current financial system. Or just okay. a really, really slow heating up of a dying star that's just not going to be, really be continuing for the lifetimes of right. anyone. So it's not even
1: political. It's just basically too much complexity, too too many kind of ad hoc solutions that have been like papered on or glued on top of each other to to withstand too much, too much of a challenge that basically it's going to break from under its own weight, it's not even political; right. so it's just entropy. I, it's just entropy.
0: Yeah. I would say there's a there's a once again to plug my plug my uh, intellectual heritage of Bitcoin, <laughs> but I think there's a real similarity between the extreme complexity of the financial system as it exists today, the money market, derivatives, etc. and Also the client server paradigm that basically both require borderline graybeards to actually operate, you know, at the, at the highest level,
1: it's boomers. It's
0: well, boomer alchemists who are in short supply and cannot, cannot find a way. There's no way to, you can't transfer the skill. you, You can't transfer the skill. You can't, you can't learn the principles of uh, you know, monetary economics and go make your own monetary system. It, unless, you know, unless it's completely luciferian in the case of Bitcoin, you know, you're not going to be allowed to make any sort of, any type of incremental innovation.
1: What do you mean by transfer skills? And, and what do you mean by an incremental innovation? You're talking about the current financial system doesn't allow for these things. I'm saying
0: that there's, there's a, a crisis point of, of complexity to both, where right. ordinary people who have an idea of, oh, this computer thing should exist, I should be able to view my bank account in real time on a on an Excel spreadsheet because right. I'm interested in personal finance. Y- you'll just never get through the absolute thicket of technical debt to achieve a achieve something like totally that. you know that's that's some that's a product i've wanted since i was old enough to know what a bank account was and have excel but you know i've never had it
1: and what you're implying i think is that in a in a, in a mature urban ecosystem it should be pretty trivial to whip up these little like personal finance apps is that the idea
0: yeah that's yeah. the idea yeah pr- a programmatic finance in in a sort of true and uh you know, not to use the D word, but a truly disintermediated. Right.
1: So if I'm being paid, let's say a certain kind of income streams, right. And I have some outgoing payments. These really are just data. These are just data streams, right? It should be, there's no reason in principle why these numbers that change a couple times a month are not immediately available to me at all times for arbitrary computation. They are in my crypto wallet. Yeah. Yeah. And so you imagine a world where on your orbit, you can basically be computing this data, manipulating it, you know, visualizing it, sending it from one app to the next, that should be relatively trivial.
2: Anything you want. Yeah.
1: Right. And right now, but right now it's very, very difficult, right? So,
2: so what I would note is that the state of the art for, uh, bank integration software is plaid. And literally what they do is they have headless web browsers. What that means is a web browser that does display the page, but it doesn't display it on a screen. It displays it and takes a picture of it. And so what they do is, is you give them your bank password and then they go make a fake web browser that goes and renders your bank account page, takes a picture of what the balance is, and then uses screen reading software to go read what the balance is and tell you what it is. That's the state of the art for bank integration software. Right. Yeah. I use that all the time. It's insane. Yeah. That's the most popular bank integration software. And they literally take pictures of the web page and read the number off the web page.
1: It's such a good example to, to <laughs> dramatize how stupid the current internet is. It's that, insane because yeah. you
2: can't incentivize the banks to allow you to programmatically use your account. You can't make them do it. And the EU is actually trying to force them to with the legislation and so far have failed.
1: Okay, fascinating. So I think this is this helps people understand what what what's going on with Erbit. So as Erbit develops, instead of using Plaid on the clear web, where every time you want to you know, connect one bank to another, you have to kind of go through this ridiculous process. You will just have in your account, you know, certain financial accounts, right? You'll have a bank, you'll have, you know, crypto wallet or whatever it might be, right? And you're just going to be able to interact with any number of different apps or communities um, programmatically directly. So like natively. Natively. So, so in other words, like, you know how today when you, let's say, make a new account on some website, you have to go manually add your bank details. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in the future on Urbit, it's like once you approve of an app or you download an app or you enter a community, mm-hmm. all of your bank data is potentially available for you, right? So you could maybe just click a button and, and and pay, right? Yeah. So all of that, all of that plumbing that today we have to do manually over and over again or use ridiculous tools like Plaid to, to kind of paper over it, all of that disappears and it's basically just smooth. You either choose to pay or you don't, it's, it's all It's in. It's
2: like the Apple wallet on iOS, except brought to the internet with no permissions
1: yeah hell yeah fascinating
0: right or the as i frequently refer to it the cypherpunk wechat
1: yeah what, <laughs> yeah nice so i mean what kind of legal issues do you see on the horizon like you know a lot of people are kind of worried right now about you know, Gensler and, and Liz Warren talking about, you know, assets and securities and stuff It probably is not so relevant here, but yeah, luckily that's
2: not relevant to to our business really. Right. But
1: I'm sure there are corresponding, there are going to be kind of legal challenges. And maybe the point is not to get into weeds of, of like laws or anything like that. Uh, I'm just curious. You know this this kind of permissionless world that's basically as we describe it it's gonna basically overthrow the banks like you're you're basically you're basically routing around the banks and with the money and power that they have like what 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 do you expect on the horizon of that uh, of that battle
0: so what we're doing is basically trying to take the the complete morass that is compliance you know regulatory compliance and make it effectively a service so compliance as a service is what will let someone with a completely consolidated terms and conditions access, you know, all these all these multifaceted services from 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 one point?
1: Interesting. So when people make an account through a Terrell service, they'll be, you know, presumably signing some kind of terms of service, and then they're good to go for like the entire Orbit ecosystem. That's the idea.
0: That's that's the idea.
1: Fascinating. Yeah. And
0: then you know, as as we evolve, you know, obviously not to count chickens or or anything like that, but obviously we we would be headed toward you know some sort of neo bank type status in the future. I'm I'm I've been an observer uh, since about 2017, and I can say that lately, the bank regulation has actually been actually you know showing some signs of of life so we've seen you know those the Speedy Banks in Wyoming that which are special depository institutions uh you know just the bank charter application uh, process reopening up so i think that in the future you know who knows it's like we're all building this financial infrastructure for the duration that the US dollar exists or that fiat currency is widely used. so we're all making this in advance of call it some hyper Bitcoinization event. However, I think that as we get closer to that, the there will be a uh, there will be moments of opportunity for you know it, to advance our case uh, in a regulatory uh, in the regulatory environment,
1: Sure. Fascinating. So I
0: think what I would say is, you know,
2: everybody's talking about Web3 right now and all of the regulation that's occurring is about, you know, Web3 and decentralized exchanges and stablecoins. Urbit is Web6. <laughs> so, so like, because Urbit is Web6, like, no one is even thinking about what we're trying to do. Right. And so no one no one's doing anything that's even remotely, like, negative toward what we're trying to do. Every Like, for all they're concerned, we're, like, paypal or like venmo it's like it's like oh like it's venmo except peer-to-peer and everybody's like oh well i already thought venmo was peer-to-peer i just sent it to your phone number it's like right
1: mm,
0: (laughs) yes the peer-to-peer peer-to-peer skeuomorphism is a is a great trick that basically every SaaS company deploys yeah Mm.
2: it's like what if what if it looked like it was peer-to-peer like what if you thought your facebook message was going to their phone because you typed in their phone number into facebook right so like, what if you didn't think that there was an intermediary because you thought it worked like sms?
1: Yeah, fascinating. So let's talk a little bit about what what you expect payments to look like on Urbit as these technologies get adopted. Like, where do you think points of purchase are likely to emerge? if you a lot of this is kind of going to be to figure it out in in practice and experimentation. but, For instance, like they just released, um, the software distribution is now live. So people can write apps and push them to the network and share them with people on the network Yeah, sell your apps. Um, Yeah. So, so what is it going to look like? Do you think like, if I want to make a note taking app, I get some engineers, right? We, we launch it. Are we selling it on the, on some kind of app store on Urbit? Are we selling it peer to peer? So like individuals will choose to pay $5 for my note taking app, or is it going into some kind of, um space that kind of aggregates demand like some kind of marketplace like how do you how do you see the the most likely points of purchase patterns to emerge
2: i think it'll start peer-to-peer and then i think that just like most things there'll be aggregators that that begin to have network effects okay and i think those aggregators will become de facto app stores And I think that they'll all kind of be like reputation-oriented aggregators that are like, "Hey, you know, we put a lot of effort into making sure that they're not doing any funny business with your data."
1: And do you think these aggregators are themselves apps, or is it like groups? No, it's it's identities. It's identities. So individuals, individuals or
2: groups that represent themselves as an identity in the way that we represent ourselves as Terrell.
1: Right. Okay. So, so basically, what you're saying is, I need to start finding all the app makers. I need to become the uh, the nexus. Yeah, of, you of should app be a curator, and I can make my group on Herbit basically like where all of app, yeah, app builders you, and app sellers. Yeah, go yeah, or you, you like could have that.
2: a little blog in other life that's app reviews. This is what
1: yeah, so what I'm getting at is this will be like a cultural layer, not like a not like a an, a, uh, an app layer, basically. So it'll be like individuals or groups. With that centralized attention, or just or aggregate attention and command yeah, attention, yeah. at, at will, first, but right.
2: but then there will be ways in which there will become cultural defaults, right? And so it'll start as just you know a little group in which you do something, and then it'll become a cultural default, and then there will be utilities built around it to speed up that process. Okay. To to say how many stars is it? How many stars does Justin say it is?
1: And <laughs> so in the first instance, in the short term, when it's when it's just individual to individual. Mm-hmm how do, what will it look like like so will it be you know like in the Urbit dms there's like a payment button is it going to be in the Urbit notebooks there's going to be like a buy button like very concretely i'm just curious how yeah, how, yeah. How do you expect to see it
2: my my guess would be that you install the desk so you install the tile and then there's the title a little
1: meaning this is like an in grid in grid yeah okay. and, and
2: and then you so for whatever app you're trying to buy
1: for people listening so this is the new like software distribution like, interface basically yeah. it's called grid and it's there what are you, tiles it's what you see when you first log in yeah right, right. um it's it's, a t- it's tiles right mm-hmm. and so yeah,
2: i'd I, say you install
1: the tile and then you probably
2: like do a payment and and it like works then
1: gotcha and at the moment there's no discovery right so you just have to basically someone who builds an app needs to basically give you the like the id or something like that and then, then you, you just
2: be like hey i'm dope and i'm making this note-taking app come download it
1: right so so basically i build a note-taking app i just basically give people the id or something like that and then they they go into their grid sure and, I mean, they, Im- and they import it th-
0: there's already effectively an almanac of urbit which is urbit index mm-hmm. so you know, the the information of where to find this stuff will be already aggregated under under something like that uh but effectively yeah it doesn't there's no special process to uh you know, there's no code review like with the app right. app store. There's no
1: there's no subjectivity to it. Gotcha. And so okay, so I give people the ID for my notebook taking app. People go into their grid, they import it, and they're using it. And then what I just ask them to like DM me money or like or is there a formal like
2: you click the you click the tile. Right. It shows you a new a new web page. The new web page says hey pay us five dollars and then you can use the app.
1: Got it and that's what you're building basically yeah. that would that would be like a, a terrell like landing page with the payment mm-hmm. button
2: yeah to be fair we haven't started building that exact functionality gotcha right now we're really focused on planet sales on layer two okay and so like Talon has been building a layer two they call it naive and uh the idea is you know people are selling stars people are selling galaxies but people aren't really selling planets right now and so people are giving planets away but there aren't that many people selling planets. You're you're one of the only ones I know I'm aware of. Mm. Um, and so that's because of these insane, insane Ethereum fees. And EIP-1559 right. did not help. I mean, it, it just killed the bottom of the market. It like normalized the fees so that they're all just at the high level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so the gist with this is the layer two circumvents this. And so we're building a US dollar uh, fiat payment flow where you can just go buy planets on layer two without ever touching ethereum and so this is what we're actually doing like this instant or what i'm doing this instant
1: and when do you plan for that to be available
2: i'd say probably by beginning of november
1: okay nice yeah nice so that might even be this might be out then so sure so that's
2: when the layer two is launching so i i may have it completely done before the layer two launches and then just wait for the layer two to launch
1: okay so
0: fascinating but yeah, but sh- soon. soon. Soon, yeah, soon. Very, very soon. I mean, the yeah. two weeks,
1: TM.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the layer two is supposed to launch at the very beginning of November. So if it hits mid November, then we'll launch with the layer two. But right on. But it's it's very it's very soon. It's almost done. And and so essentially, what that means is that any any person who owns a star can just click a few buttons, buy a domain, and have a website that's dedicated to selling planets. And the only thing that they have to do in terms of like asynchronous processes or something that's not just clicking buttons on an Urbit is they have to apply for a merchant ID from us. And then, and then they can, uh, accept us dollar payments for Urbit planets, which notably you wouldn't be able to do with Stripe or Braintree, et cetera, because it's a crypto asset.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. It
2: would be against their terms of service. It's been tried.
1: Oh, fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. So, so we're the only game in town right so since stripe can't do crypto based things if once you crack that egg then you can be like the stripe for crypto basically
2: at least the stripe for erbit crypto
1: yeah okay fascinating fascinating well what else is going on right now that you're kind of most excited about or most interested in uh you know what are your what are your best erbit takes or or you know beyond beyond erbit um open hot urbit takes yeah i mean are are there are there companies being are there other startups being built that you're aware of that you want to shout out and kind of give us some give us some um clues about it i think it's fascinating here or just other projects going on right now i'm interested in any
0: project that lets me spend you know make the marginal transition between some sas app and urbit so that i'm basically spending more time on urbit right so for that obviously urchat fm mm-hmm. is the video chat is a is an audio and video chat this is like the web rtc mm-hmm. yep and chat
1: so, chat fm
0: or chat fm <laughs> it's a little bit of a mouthful but i i would say that you know when that is up and running at scale and everyone has it installed and it can push notifications to your phone mm-hmm. and you know ring your phone i think that that's that's huge
1: oh ring your phone like phone calls
0: Yeah, basically, but like
1: FaceTime. Wow, really? FaceTime through a normal uh, iPhone or whatever phone. Wow, phone, phone, (laughs) dude. Because I didn't even know that. I I know there's like been. I I just thought it was like video chatting, like Zoom, like Zoom on urbit. Well, video and audio, video and audio. It's agnostic. I didn't know it was gonna go through your phone. Now that's cool.
2: Well, Well, it it could because your phone supports WebRTC.
1: Right on. Okay, I see. Fascinating okay so so basically things that allow you to stay in orbit more stay so what, what orbit, are yeah. what are other candidates maybe that aren't being worked on like what do you think is the next business that should be built or needs to be built like tomorrow if you're an investor or a founder like what do you think is most ripe that isn't being worked on dude i
2: want google drive like i don't even care about storing files i just literally want like a presentation editor and like a right. little like a uh, document editor that's collaborative that i can just mess around with like you know one other person you know and be like is this legal copy right
1: right (laughs) yeah yeah anything else
0: um i mean well i i too want google drive but i i also want files in general uh i feel like i spend half my day just attaching things (laughs) and sending them to people right and if i could do that within the erbit envelope that would be better for me
1: and is so okay are these are these relatively lightweight projects or are these relatively big projects? You I know you mentioned earlier that some of this stuff can be built fast. Like are these are these big or small?
2: Making it collaborative in real time, big project. Making right. a presentation editor at all or a document editor at all, small project.
1: Okay. Yeah. So people who are engineers or people out there listening to this should really think about getting involved um and and trying to build some of these things because it's such an open space, right? Mm-hmm. It's like basically any basic app that people use. You yeah. can make an urban version. Yeah. Right. And people
2: will jump on and be super excited and happy with you for doing it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of think note taking is like one of the best ones because the market is so big. Yeah. And it's like so buzzy also. Like yeah. any any like decent note taking app nowadays, even if it's just like a clone of Notion or a clone mm-hmm. of Rum or something like that, like it gets a ton of it just gets a ton of buzz and a lot of people are, mm-hmm. are interested to try it out. And Urbit definitely could use a, like an improved writing experience. I yeah, really for know. sure. So I, I think, think that's that. like a really I would love to see that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, hmm. other exciting stuff. I'm, I'm really excited for the foundation to split out of Talon. Yeah. I'm super hyped for that. Why? Because there need to be more entities with varied incentives and varied power structures that are working on the urban ecosystem that have sizable address space allocations such that they can use those strategically to further the network as opposed to just holding them.
1: Right, right.
2: Like Talon has a particular strategy that it uses for its address space. It hires people, it sells galaxies every few years, and it builds stuff that it wants to build.
1: Something that came up with Ed this morning was a uh, discussion around internet of things and kind of building out things like moons and like building systems where you could feasibly like all of your friends and family like have a moon or something like and you you could actually start to imagine physical devices with like sensors and stuff like that, that are like feeding it. We got kind of futuristic with it. Is this like interesting to you? Is this kind of a dead end or what do you think?
0: It would work, but I don't have any interest in it.
1: Not interested. Yeah.
0: I'm in favor of reducing the number of sensors in my life. Okay. (laughs) Just kind of against it. We already have, I don't know, probably a total of, 15 different cameras in this room, 15 different microphones. It's freaking you out. Exclu- excluding, excluding these. I mean, every- but not,
1: not even counting the ones that are in the pinholes that I haven't yeah, told you yeah, about. Yeah,
0: exactly. Every, every device just has sensors out the, at the wazoo. Now just you it. so, against, you're against uh, I'm the against, control
1: societies. Well, I mean, I'm yeah. against
0: <laughs> uh you know, yeah, it's, it's just digital subjectivity on every, on every designed piece of software of technology that you pick up it's just your your control is engineered yeah see i'm kind
1: of into measurement and control if it's autonomous and you control it right that, to me but to it, me, it's yeah.
2: controlling you it's it, right. you're controlling it controlling you and so and right. so it's it's the ouroboros you know it's the yeah. cer- it's the serpentine coils of constricting control
1: right so in a, in a fully mature kind of urban ecosystem it just basically allows you to kind of escape all 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 technological entrapment no not uh, or what no
2: it lets you control yourself and be in that cycle as much or as little as you want yeah i
1: think i'm more on the like i want sensors i I want i want i want like my house to be filled with measuring devices on an auto
0: turret yeah
1: (laughs) and then i and then i have like all these machine learning models that are basically like constantly optimizing me and giving me like feedback feedback and yeah i think i'm into that as long as i have complete control over it and I can manipulate my friends and family how I want to. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's so fuzzy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I think my ideal scenario is that I stop having a phone and I have some like smaller device that only does calls and texts, but it does it well. And I tried an Apple watch. It doesn't do it well, but I, I want something that does a few things well, like directions, phone and text, and that's it. Okay. I don't want anything else. And I I don't even care what else it does. Like, I, in fact, don't want it to do other things. And then I want just like an e-ink display that I can do things on for work. And those are like the only devices I want in my house.
1: Right. How long until you think Urbit provides all of those things and you don't need anything else?
2: Again, I'm, I'm really skeptical of Urbit's current ability to do graphical interfaces. Right, right. So my estimate would be kind of unpleasant for most people to hear, like 15
1: years. But you can basically have a computer that's not URBIT, but only only be running URBIT stuff, basically.
2: Yeah, yeah, you could could cheat and have it next year. Like you could cheat and have like a, you know, like a Chromium, you know, like a Chrome OS type deal where like the browser is what you see and it's on URBIT.
1: Right. I was actually saying that to Ed. I think it'd be kind of a fun project to, like what if you just bought wholesale a bunch of Mm -hmm. like basic laptops and booted them with URBIT, got them all set up Mm -hmm. so that like you could sell them on the secondary market just has like an urban laptop basically yeah you could <laughs> do that right now i think that's kind of i, I kind that kind of resonates with me sure. like i think that's kind of cool
2: it's it's the purism that you're not going to get for 15 20 years but like you could do you could, i mean you can always in the engineering world cheat and get to where you want way faster and it's not really cheating unless you're one of those like linux is bad and has to go people
1: right right so i heard that there's a, a communist threat on urban <laughs> are there a lot of communists how many people are even on orbit? Do we know at this point? What's your guess? We're, I thought you were a communist. <laughs> I used to be. Used to be. Well, now I'm kind of like, uh, I'm, I don't know. I, can, can
0: you stop being a communist?
1: I, I mean, I'm like a good kind of, I'm no. I'm like, I thought, I thought that,
0: <laughs> I thought that the right wing had completely, uh, you know, reformulated and, you know, memed themselves back into communism yeah or, no, or, it is. or at least like logo would have you yeah there's so. there some
1: strange uh, horseshoe dynamics going on no i, I used to be a, i used to be a legit hardcore communist i'm not anymore now i'm just like post-political basically but what i have still taken on from the my time as a communist is basically just what i would rebrand as like communitarianism or hmm. like deep solidarity with um like small communities basically absolutely uh and and that i think is like the health that's the healthy kernel in communism it goes wrong when you try to like force it at a large scale basically right but as long as it's completely voluntary and the bond so basically like the family is basically like a communist unit of the good kind right i i think john mouse (laughs) talks about this a bunch and
0: uh trying to break down barriers that would keep us from seeing each other uh, and not just in a, in a physical sense, but perceiving perceiving each other's humanity. Hell and yeah. So, I mean, I find that uh, Christ-like and worthy of of pursuit.
1: Hell yeah, hell yeah. We should talk about that because I think we're all we're all Christian men here. It's uh, true. Is, yeah. is, is is Urbit a technological instantiation of Christian ideals?
2: Urbit is a technology for preserving human dignity.
1: Hmm. Say more about that.
2: So, so all of the technologies that we have eschew human dignity, they, they throw it out the window in favor of ad based optimization of, of optimizing you to be engaged and to be a, you know, addled fiend of staring into the blue light and. Coombrain. And Coombrain and, and, and all of these things, you know, like. Being engaged with the outrage, being scared of the virus, being this or being that—you know, there's all these things to be scared I'm of. There's all these consume. people to hate. There's all these things to buy, <laughs> and and th- this this is the cybernetic enclosure. It's 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 every one of these things that makes you feel an emotion from looking at a screen instead of feeling an emotion from looking at a human face. And and so, urbit er- to me is a technology for removing the emotion. From the computer, because the computer is not where the emotion should be.
1: Hmm, that's great. Yeah, that's really good. I like that. So basically, urbit is Delusian, Landian, Christian, and anti-communist. But you could be there are some communists on there. So communists can kind of have their own urbit, right? Common
2: communists can do anything they want. Right. That's that's the joy of urbit is that urbit right. is also post-political in this way. Like urbit allows people to form their own little. It. I mean. URBIT just over time is going to reflect your mind. It's going to reflect who you want to talk to and
0: what you want to do. And to be clear, I I think that there will be a large portion of our generation that once the com- fully perfected comp computing herbit system is ready, they actually won't be able to extricate themselves from dopamine addiction. Yep. And they will voluntarily... Submit to the Erbit metaverse where you basically live in the crypto voxel, uh, you know, mining Minecraft blocks, but it's your herbit messages and your, uh, you know, all of your conspicuous consumption is NFTs and you're blinged out uh, in the metaverse. Yeah. And you have a, you know, the morphine drip and the soylent drip in the other arm.
1: Interesting. So you're kind of describing like a bifurcating world where some people are going to fall deeper and deeper down into the cybernetic entrapment. Well, believe And, me, there, uh, and, you and know, some people are going to go to urbit and like improve themselves. Oh <laughs> no,
0: like everyone's coming to urbit. What I'm saying is even there's going to be where we will be naive to think that there won't be some sort of uh, counter revolution by... Companies that are completely used to making money in the attention economy, mm. et cetera, trying to trying to pump their pump their systems into Urbit and es- essentially capture people. In this Again. landscape. Yeah. Recapture people.
2: Or Ur- Urbit just is going to provide a choice to to leave that
0: oh, I
1: see. attention landscape. Right. But
2: but there'll it, it doesn't remove that choice. Right. Cur- like currently landscape is all calm and everything. But right. there's going to be far apps yeah. and there's going to be there's going to be, you know, thing things that I wouldn't approve of. And you know, right. there's 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 going to be all kinds of things that, that I wouldn't want to be on Urbit. But because I'm not Urbit and Urbit is just this neutral thing.
1: Right. I mean, it is
2: going to be a container for everything. Everything that's on the internet today. It's just a container that you have choices and that you have control over. Right. Okay. So, so Urbit, everything, Erbit candy crush is going to <laughs> exist and you yeah.
0: there will be the same people who play candy crush. Now will play candy crush on our They'll get served the ads the same way. Urbit World
2: of Warcraft people playing video games for 24 hours and having
0: heart attacks because
2: they haven't left their chair. Like Fascinating. Th-
1: these,
2: these are going to happen. These are going to occur, but it, won't be foisted on the person today.
1: the key thing being that the people who want something different who don't want to be exposed to addicting games and don't want to be exposed to porn mm-hmm. things like that people who want to be away from all of that are going to be able to be away from all of that completely and, completely right yes. and that's so though, Yeah. Though, that's,
0: though i will say i mean again maybe this is just my pessimism but the gate will remain narrow i think to use the christian metaphor i i don't think that even though there's the option for com computing and everyone says that they want it you know there's you know tfw the first sip of the day you know what i mean yeah yeah. everyone wakes up and it's like ah
1: you totally have your first scroll the first jewel hit right so the gate will be narrow at meaning that in the long run Urbit will probably be 90% porn, just like the current internet is 90% porn. Hopefully but, less. Hopefully Ho- less. <laughs>
0: hope, hopefully less. And hopefully, hopefully without some sort of overarching uh sort of a slanted economics to Urbit software development. It will actually tend in terms of the right stuff. But yeah. it won't it I mean Urbit won't eliminate sin economies, but it
2: won't drive everyone towards them either. Right. C- currently the right. systems that we have are cybernetic enclosures that move you towards pornography. Right. Every move you towards outrage. Everyone move- is
1: kind of pulled towards those those uh gravity wells in sure. a way. And right? so
2: and so my thought is that Urbit's not going to eliminate the human tendencies to send towards these things, but rather Urbit will at least be a neutral landscape that's not tilted toward them.
1: Right. Yeah, that's fascinating and makes a lot of sense. I mean, I a counterpoint would be a more optimistic perspective would be that. Because people who are committed to dignity and kind of more conscientious lives on Urbit are able to kind of secure that power, at least for themselves mm-hmm. and their, their communities, their friends, family, followers, that greater power will give the people in those communities um probably more successful life results in a way. And so they'll be able to start to maybe in the long run kind of outcompete the, the sin economies, mm-hmm. which are actually pretty. Uh, backwards and regressive and yeah no generally absolutely. not good for human potential human human mm-hmm. productivity anyway so on a, on a truly evil uh even playing field where there's not this like massive gravity well towards mm-hmm. sin you could actually imagine the more wholesome groups gaining more influence mm-hmm. bigger size because people at the end of the day will need to choose like do you want to be a good person who's following the the straight and narrow path and all of the benefit all of the beneficial results that come from that kind of healthier lifestyle or do you want to just be like addicted to candy crush all day oh, yeah, and sure. when that choice is more stark and you can kind of like choose which one you want to be in i think more people will realize oh everything would be way better if i go with the more wholesome one right so in, in a way i i think there is a there is a possible future in which even if the gate is narrow the the mass of the wholesome is like a much larger mass you know if you read like saint augustine the mm-hmm. city of god he has a this kind of very clear conviction that in the very long run you know the city of god does, does win Maybe not. Maybe not like on Earth. <laughs> but, sure. Yeah. But, but, but there the gates kind of, of hell shall not yeah,
0: prevail. Yeah. That's right. Today we have the Mormons. We have the Mennonites. The Amish, and I think that if you consider those to be healthy, if if somewhat isolated societies, but at least unto themselves healthy societies, Herbert could at least. Uh, uh, hopefully a hundred X to to put a tech. I mean,
2: I mean, I would say maybe, I would say maybe like spin out many, many more, say a thousand flowers shall bloom of genres
0: of Mennonites, you know, genres. (laughs) Right. Let, let there be many more societies of, of health, but, and not to revert again, back to my, uh, my ideology of Bitcoin. But (laughs) I think to be honest, even more so when you want to talk about, behavioral change, I think soft, the software you use is a large part of it, but the monetary media that you use is probably an even bigger part because personal economics are Mm -hmm. really where your preferences are ultimately revealed, uh, at least for the most part. So I recently heard from my friend, Dean. he ran this poll, People who got into Bitcoin are basically, on average, approximately saving more than double what they used to because it's an orientation towards a low time preference activity versus high time preference. When you when you don't have inflation, you're able to orient yourself toward the future, toward your goals, and I think that that's actually a much a much more perhaps potent uh, potent corrective. Uh, mental, economic than just you know is your software beeping at you all the time to to pick it up again. But totally. the combination though. I'm but sure. the combination.
1: Yeah, yeah, dude, I love yeah. it. This was awesome. That was an awesome ending. I'm super pumped just talking about this stuff with you guys. Yeah. Is there anywhere you want to send people before we wrap it up?
0: Terrell.io. Terrell.io. And yeah, you can hit us up at Terrell just on on Herbit if right. you if you need to speak with us urgently
1: boom i'll put i'll put links in the show notes guys thanks so much for hanging out with me this was a, a fascinating and uh, at times unpredictable conversation that went in, went to a, like a bunch of different pockets that i wasn't necessarily predicting but were really fucking cool so thanks guys yeah this is thanks awesome thank you justin all right guys good luck with terrell and everything yeah. appreciate it we'll see you right. everyone later on Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You made it all the way to the very end. So you must really like the show. In that case, I would be super grateful if you'd be so kind to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is go to otherlife.co slash review. That's otherlife.co forward slash review. And it'll send you an Apple Podcasts. Just leave a review. You can be honest. Tell me what you really think. I'd really appreciate it because it'll help other people find the show. And I'm really trying to grow out the podcast. So thanks for listening. And thank you for leaving a review. I really appreciate it.